Hi, this is Achilles Lorena, and you're listening to Awaken Nation with Brad Salas. A huge shift is taking place on planet Earth. People seem to be waking up. Tired of the way things used to be, they are creating something brand new and changing the world we live in. My name is Brad Zalas, and I get to sit down with the next generation of idea makers, the disruptors, and the game changers. Everyday people, just like you and me, from all over, who are doing amazing things. Welcome to Awakened Nation. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. We're back again on Awakened Nation. Our guest today is a very good friend of mine, Achilles Lorea. And uh, he is uh, taking names and kicking ass. Uh, <laughs> we met at a Bruce Lipman event out in Long Island. Am I correct, uh, Achilles? In, the, in Manhattan, actually, you were giving a, a speech. Wow, yes. I was talking about millennials and how to work with them in your business. And um, you yeah. uh, and I kind of struck a, a friendship up uh, aside from all this because of our love for the martial arts, good food, good coffee. And, uh, and, and yeah, and the commonality, I, I love your story. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about this. Uh, Achilles Larea, this is the guy who's on Fox news. You've seen him on mornings with Maria and Cavuto. You've seen him on TD Ameritrade's uh, network and also on a Univision. Uh, this guy is tearing it up. He also has a great book out your money and you, and, uh, let me tell you, I've admired what you've done, and I, and I have to read the full title for your book, Achilles, uh, because of your Latin <laughs> heritage and your background. Um, there's not enough uh, professionals in this space, and I love that you're doing this, and it's Your Money and You, the ultimate wealth guide for Latino entrepreneurs and executives, helping you to create your empanada of success. That's a mouthful. It is a mouthful, just like a good <laughs> empanada. <laughs> Darn right. <laughs> well, you, you know, when we first sat down to talk and you told me your vision for the future, you know, you're, you're a wealth management expert and, uh, you know, you're licensed and you live in, in New York City and uh, the heartbeat of the financial uh, district in the world is in New York. And uh, you told me this vision of the future where you wanted to write this great book uh, and help. And I said, you know, in your space, which is uh, Latinos, wealth management for um, people who speak Spanish, basically, uh, immigrants, families who want to come here, want to build a life. There really aren't any, uh, I'm not saying there aren't any choices, but there's a kind of a limited choice. And when you decided to go down this road, uh, I knew you were going to be successful. I knew you were going to be on these shows and I knew you were going to be crushing it, my friend. And part of the reason <laughs> And this is the great part about this is um, what you stand for. And I, I told you while we were in the green room, this is the story I want Achilles to tell. And let's get started. Let's go back in time. You trained in the martial arts, my friend. Is there a particular style that your family trains in? Well, uh, we started, my brother actually started training in a school. Uh, they did Taekwondo and that was in Woodside, uh, Queens. And um, I didn't get involved with him. Uh, I mean, we did some Taekwondo together while I was in high school, but, you know, I really get started with him until uh, he switched over to Shotokan, which is traditional Japanese karate. Right. 
That's incredible. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Woodside, Queens is uh, right near like, like Queens Boulevard, uh, the, the park. It's beautiful over there. There's a lot of different areas and uh, ethnically mixed. There's a German on one side of the street and there could be Italians on the opposite side of the street and everybody's getting along and um, everybody loves each other on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, and it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just this milieu that I, I loved and that I miss about New York City. And yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, agree, and, agree completely. Yeah, and so you, you train in the martial arts, and uh, tell us about this tournament you were in and, and what happened. Oh, yeah, sure. This was at the 94 or 95 Nationals out in California. So basically what happened was that um, I had flown from New York on my, at my own expense to go make the U.S. karate team. And what had happened was that uh, it, it was a calamity of errors, actually, because I ended up in Houston and I was almost delayed. It's lucky I left a day earlier, uh, but I ended up getting there later to the USC gymnasium, University of Southern California gymnasium. The air conditioning broke down and it was a hundred. It was in the middle of summer. It's 103 degrees in the uh, gymnasium. They got these fans roaring and all us karate guys and gals in there uh, looking for a spot for the team. Uh, so we, we get into the first match. I don't even think we're in the first minute. Guy pops me in the nose, breaks my nose by, by the upper part. And Ouch. blood is coming out of both nostrils. And so, you know, they, they turn us around. They're working on me. The guy comes over, doctor. Well, not a doctor, but uh, probably a nurse or a paramedic. Comes over to me. He's like, wow, oh, you know, it looks pretty bad. You know, we might have to uh, stop the fight. I go, you're not stopping nothing because yes. you're next in case. Get some cotton, put it in my nose. Let's go. And that's exactly what I said to him. You know, so he did that. We promptly began the exchange again. And the next exchange, I broke his nose. Wow. So I returned the favor. <laughs> nice. So I'm still bleeding at this point profusely uh, into the cotton. And every match I'm changing the, uh, these things. The guy had given me some extra stuff. Uh, so I'm popping into the nose. But imagine fighting a karate match with your mouth. All right. <laughs> Because that's really what happens. And wow. it's 103 degrees, you're sweating, it's just nasty in there. I went on to fight 17, 18 more times. I barely remember the, the, the fights at all. But what I remember uh, was that, you know, I, I said to myself, I traveled thousands of miles to get here. I'm not leaving without anything, you know, and I did the best that I could. I, you know, I finally succumbed to the heat and the loss of blood uh, around the 17th or 18th match. Um, so the funny thing is I'm sitting in the, you know, after the tournament, uh, you know, I was thinking I'm going to go out, I'm going to hang out with some karate guys, I'm going to have a great time. <laughs> I'm, instead, I'm sitting in the Biltmore Hotel in downtown Los Angeles, and sitting there, I got a raccoon on my face. Now, <laughs> if you don't know what a raccoon is, that means your black and blue goes from one side of your eye to the other side over your nose, of course, where it's broken. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, this going out thing ain't happening, you know? So feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. And then not shortly after I get a call, 
from one of the future coaches of the team and says, you know, uh, we heard about what you did. We think you'd be a great candidate uh, for the team. And at some point, uh, they brought me on. You're kidding. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it didn't happen right away, Brad, but, uh, you know, it, it happened. The U.S. Because people get injured. Team. Wow. And and here's something that I always find funny. When you tell the story, you're such a badass. You are the most gentle man I've ever met. You're very calm, <laughs> soft-spoken. You're, you're, you smile a lot. You know, and no one would guess you could kick everyone's ass. That's unless you touch my food, Brad. You touch my food, it's a completely different animal. There you go. And he goes crazy. Now, now this journey, it's amazing to fight through all those fights with a bloody nose and you're losing blood and it's 110 degrees. Um, I know they turn, they've turned the heat up in some of my belt tests. And I remember an hour test feels like a two-hour test when it's that hot. Uh, I, I, tests were that short for me. It's been six, seven hours. My, you know, yeah. For the dance. It's my black, my black belt test was four hours, and it was nonstop. We just had 30 seconds to a minute to change into pads and then back to Muay Thai, and then uh, we did a, a shark tank, you know, or shark cage where you get on the ground and you fight, uh, and if you don't make it out, you got to do 60 push-ups. So um, you want to survive the best you can. So I can only imagine what you went through uh, with a broken nose. Uh, that's incredible. Yeah. It, it was it was funny to say the least. I look back at it. And I, I wish I could say I look back on it fondly, but uh, when you have blood in your mouth and you can't breathe and you, you're only breathing out of the side of your mouth. <laughs> if- oh wow! So let you know this is what I love about uh, you and and what you represent. And when we sat down to talk, you were really concerned um, about the next generation of client. You were really concerned about the next generation of wealth. And could they save like the previous generations? Could they invest? Could they be uh, able to sustain a lifestyle that, let's say, our parents had? Uh, and that's what I admired about you. So let's let's go on this journey where you wanted to write the book. Because I remember when we sat down uh, to chat about that, you uh, this was your main concern. Uh, what should the title be? Should it really help? What should we go into? Um, but the driving force behind it was to really help uh, people uh, in, the, in this community. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the Latino community uh, in New York is not a mature market. The book was really to uh, start the process. I say, you know, it's kind of like going to a Latino party early. Right. <laughs> if you ever go to a Latino party, they tell you it's 11 o'clock when it starts. Right. If you show up at eleven, you're going to be bringing chairs down, setting up tables, oh, yeah. helping out with the food. So I, don't I know, show up at eleven. I know what a Latino party is. You know, my wife is Afro Caribbean, and uh, she would uh, she would tell me the the party starting at five, and I would say, well, we got to be there at five, no later than five thirty. And she goes, no, you you don't get it. You know, we're we're from Haiti. You know, we don't we don't start on time. Well, I'm about as white as it get, man. And I'm like, we must be on time. And I learned my lesson the hard way because I'd be there at five and we're setting up. The food isn't even out yet. The caterers haven't brought anything and we're waiting. Yep. We didn't eat till 10 o'clock at night and everybody was drunk 
off their ass. And by the time the food came out, and we had rice and beans, we had a pork roast, we had all these things and fish, you know, Haitians are no sure. I was so starving. I think I, I ate three times what I should have. Uh, so it was, I learned my lesson the hard way. Uh, well, uh, th that's how this book is. The book <laughs> is, you know, the book showed up at five o'clock. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> you know, only it's funny. Only now, uh, with the TV appearances and uh, you know the Univision appearances, are people. It's starting to get a little buzz. You know, so nice. we're starting to see some traction. Um, you know, I actually, I'm already working on the second book as it starts right now. Uh, I'm halfway through it. I might have to throw out half of it because the subject matter is so uh, advanced that I really have to go back and, you know, say, hey, this is how it started for me. This is how I started learning about finances. Right. And I think that might respond with people a little, you know, it'll resonate right. with people I mean, a little bit better. Uh, so, you know, just to really make it a story more than uh, instructional, you know, kind but, of put the education in there, but make it a story. And, and also why it's important. Uh, you know, of course. for those of you, you know, both you and I are uh, from immigrant families. You know, my, my father was the first generation of Hungarian immigrant in this country. And we didn't really talk about investing growing up. I mean, we didn't have to in the 60s and 70s. If you put money away, that was great. But if you had 300 grand in the bank at the end of your life, you could retire. You can't do that anymore. And so no. we're looking at, you know, the, the first group of the immigrant families come in they 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 learn english they work hard you know my, my grandmother still spoke fluent hungarian till the day she died and you integrate into the the community you live in you save your money you work hard you buy that american dream the the house and then it's up to the next generation who actually becomes more americanized um, to begin a different route because uh, and I see this with, with my wife. I, I help raise her nephew, Sebastian, and she has come to me many, many times and goes, why does he do this? He's Haitian. I said, he's not Haitian. He's American. And it's funny to watch. But, but, and you probably had this discussion with your parents, um, how much different you are and how you think differently and how you approach investing and things like this. So you're looking at a generational difference in the way immigrant families integrate and then become a part of the U.S. and now begin this process of investing and saving and, and listening to a guy like you who, uh, this is what you do. Yeah, it's huge. It's a huge uh, disparity. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I don't talk really as much English to my kids as, uh, you know, uh, my parents spoke to me. The reason, the rationale that I have for that is that my kids are going to learn English by default in school and they're going to le learn it, you know, in other places. I, this is the part that I can do to help them learn the language and right. somewhat keep the traditions uh, alive. But my brother does not, uh, his, his kids speak English, you know, so yeah, my brothers better. don't speak Spanish to the kids, and, but I do. Right, uh, and uh, that's their, that's their choice. It's you know, it's a choice for them, and it's uh, that's cool. I you know, I I I see a lot of Asian families who are not you know speaking English to their kids, and that's fine. You know, it's a choice. 
Um, But more importantly is that the second generation that comes in, I mean, that's born to the immigrant generation is, like you said, the one that's going to come in and say, okay, we need to be better with our money. We need to start thinking of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and uh, retirement, taking it more seriously. That way we don't struggle as our parents have. Right. And this is one of the few countries in the world where you can take control of your wealth and uh, manage it on your own. We're not socialist uh, yet, uh, and we can own a house, and we can do certain things. Um, so why not do it? And I here's another side of this. This is a mindset kind of thing. I know for previous generations, when they could buy a house, that was it. They were done. Um, but with the next generation, they have so many uh, opportunities uh, to create wealth or to even save or do it, do it differently than previous generations. Sure. Uh, and, you know, it's funny with the Latino generation, we spend 80% of our money, disposable income, every month. We're awesome consumers. <laughs> <laughs> we, we suck as savers. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm generalizing. You know, I'm right. going off surveys that I've seen in the like, but we really are the future, a big future of this country, along with the Asian uh, yes. component, you know, coming forward. But well, right now, we need to get on the boat and say, hey, we need to save for our future. We need to save yeah. for our children and all the wonderful stuff. If you've ever been in New York City, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just go into any bodega on the first of the month, and uh, I see more sandwiches, uh, Malta, and uh, some great uh, candies uh, that just fly off the shelves immediately. Um, and yes, consumerism—we've all been, uh, we, we've all bought into it. But there's there's nothing. Uh, more enjoyable than than going into a bodega and and picking out your favorite treats. Could you give our audience maybe a little bit of um, a good scenario to get started with just the basics of learning some sort of financial literacy or some habits even that will help them uh, get out of the consumerism and more into saving and building their wealth? Well, you know, I think it begins with budgeting. You really have to stick to a budget. And if you stick to the budget, you know, let's just say for argument's sake, you start out putting away 5%. And people sometimes tell me, well, I don't have anything. And I'm like, that's crazy. Why don't you have anything? We can put away 5%. That's silly. And then I ask them, I, I, I drag them out, you know, and I say, hey, how much is that coffee you're buying today? Okay, how much did the lunch cost you because a lot of them are eating out and they're buying their coffee brad between you and i the coffee is six dollars or seven dollars in some places right the lunch here in new york city is 13 bucks so we're talking about 20 bucks a day so if you brown bag it all right and i've done that you know it didn't matter that i was making money it's just that i wanted to sop away money if you're brown bagging it as we call it then you can put away easily you know, I mean, we're, what are we talking about? Uh, $100 a week, $400 a month, you know, uh, times that by 12, 4,800, you know, so you can put money away. You just have to make a conscious decision to start somewhere. 
I don't care if it's 20% of your income. I don't care if it's 5% of your income or 2% of your income. Establish the habit early so that way when it comes time to add on, you'll add on and you become more successful. Imagine if you could brown bag it every day for a year. You'd probably have a couple grand in the bank. Uh, 4,800, Brad. 4,800. So uh, I remember these. That's five days a week. (laughs) There you go. There were these girls that I worked with um, when I worked at Carabiner years ago, and uh, they were from the Dominican Republic, and they all wanted to buy a house together. And I remember they would bring in these amazing dishes at lunchtime, and we would all wander in, and we would be like, hey, come on, can I taste that? You know, panil, uh, gandules, you know, stuff like that. And, and I was just, and I realized they were saving every single penny. And they eventually bought the house together, all four of them, uh, an apartment building. But I I admired that tenacity. And that's kind of what you're talking about. Because some people, when you say budget, they really don't know what you mean. They mean, oh, okay, I I pay my bills and whatever's left over. You kind of have to create categories to to save. And if you don't purposely focus on saving, you're not going to save. It's true. And... um you know, your job gives you something great or it doesn't. And it's called a 401k or a pension plan or a retirement plan or whatever it's cover uh, or nom de guerre, as they say. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the truth is, is that a lot of these plans, even if the company doesn't give you money, even if you don't get a dime from them, your money can grow tax deferred or tax free. And that's a great way to save. You know, imagine not having to pay taxes until you're retired. Imagine not paying taxes at all if you put it in a Roth 401k tax-free. Now, I'm not advocating only these plans. You know, there's a lot of good stuff out there, Brad. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. And this is the easiest. This is what I call the low-hanging fruit, where you can just put a small portion of your salary into it. And boom, next thing you know, you have a few hundred thousand more than your parents did. I've seen people, you know, with amazing retirement uh, accounts, uh, not putting more than five, six percent away. Wow! How do we reach out to to get in touch with you, Achilles? Because I want I want people to reach out, even to just ask a few questions. Because uh, this is your job; you are licensed in this. And um, where should they go? Well, you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm easily reachable. Um, if you go to my website, uh, my, our phone number there, it's 212-390-8918. Also can reach me uh, quicker by email, and that is info, like information, at Larea Wealth. That's L-A-R-R-E-A wealth.com. And uh, any of the social channels, people don't believe this, but I actually, I have to, I have to admit this, I actually do a lot of my own social media. Because I want quality control. Don't get me wrong. I have a little help. But, you know, uh, when I'm, someone reaches out to me and asks me a question through Facebook or any of the other social medias, I answer back personally. Wow. I think that's the best part about what you do. You are the, the face we see on TV and you're the guy we can get a hold of. It isn't, you know, layers of bureaucracy. Uh, we can get a hold of you. And that's the best part about it. Now, uh, let's get into a little bit more of this. Uh, you're talking about retirement accounts. You're talking about uh, getting in a budget. Um, t- 
take this seriously because I know for me, and here's the mistake I made, and a lot of people make this mistake. Uh, you can't wait until you make that $100,000 a year salary or maybe it's $80,000 a year combined household income or whatever. I'm, I'm not sure where you're at. It doesn't matter. Start somewhere. But what we do is we can't wait until we have the dream house and then now we're spending uh, beyond our means. Whereas the discipline we had when we had a very tiny salary, that discipline, we should just buy something simpler or invest in, uh, just a little bit all the time and just keep it simple. Keep living within your standards and within your means. Um, have you seen people like do that, you know, where they break away and they go into spending the uh, frenzy? Not only have, have I seen it, Brad, I see it quite often. Uh, and I've seen it a lot with people who have seven or eight figures in terms of savings. Right. You know, you, you think to yourself, hey, I, you know, I couldn't imagine spending that amount of money. And sure as gum, they spend and they spend big, you know. <laughs> so it, it's something that happens all the time. And I come in as a quasi consultant in those types of cases where they may have an advisor already. And to leave an advisor who they've been with 15 years is not the easiest thing. So I give them a way out as a consultant and I say, hey, listen, you can stay with that guy if you want or gal if you want, but why don't you take some direction from me to give them direction? So that way you're getting unbiased advice, you know, uh, and at the same time, you're making some good decisions with them. Whether they continue on with them, I found that after a while, they don't want to continue on with them because they're getting right. good advice from me uh, to help them out. So, you know, here we are six months down the line and all of a sudden they're moving all their monies to me. But I tell everybody, you don't have to have money with me for me to help you. Right. I can help you whether your money's at, you know, for, uh, T. T Rowe Price, Vanguard, or whoever. The idea, though, is that you have to look at me as a professional consultant that I'm going to, you know, take apart everything that you have. I'll probably ask you to fire a couple of people, yes. <laughs> you know, but that's what a consultant does. You know, they yeah. turn the fat and you want to make sure that that person is responding to the environment and the factors that really can help them catapult to the next level. Wow. And it's simple. It's simple little uh, tricks and habits. This is the key. It has to be a, a weekly habit. And even if you tell your, you know, the company when they issue the paycheck, they divide that up and they'll put that money where it needs to go every week for you. Uh, they'll do whatever you tell them to do. Yeah. And you do it on automatic. Do it on oh, automatic. Yeah. And before you know it, um, how many, it, it's something like 83% of NFL stars are broke five years after they're done. Well, that's a bit of a special case if you're looking at the NBA. I mean, the NFL. The NFL, right. you have players, yeah. and now they've instituted a program where you have to be a certified something, you know, advisor. And even in those cases, a lot of the people giving advice to these guys are not well equipped because all of a sudden, you got a guy whose average career might be three to five years and they're done in three, you know, yeah. and how are you going to advise them, yeah. you know, from making $2 million a year and then all of a sudden, Oh, by the way, you're going to have to live off 20,000 a year and you're going to have to get a job and you're going to have to do X, Y, Z and you know, it's right. a bitter pill to swallow. 
So my point being is here are guys who didn't plan anything. And for three to, you know, if they're, if they're average and they've made it and they play, they have a three-year career. If they're pretty good, they have a 10-year career. And, but still coming out of that, when you go from the gridiron and the spotlights and everybody's putting a TV camera in front of your face and then to reinvent themselves and put on a suit and go out into the world. And it, it could be just like anybody else who makes, you know, $50,000 a year or somebody who makes a million dollars a year. If you don't plan, you will fail. And with finances, people forget uh, your best earning years may be at a certain age. And after that, what are you gonna do? So it's better to get in with somebody like Achilles and learn and study. Besides your book, what other outlets do you recommend for people to learn? There's so many different uh, ways that you can teach yourself financial literacy. I mean, uh, you know, I would tell people, hey, don't be afraid to go on Google, you know, and look up different resources. We got Investopedia, you got, uh, you know, basics from every wirehouse out there. You don't have to work with them. They'll educate you, you know, just go online and you'll get that information. Or uh, there are financial coaches out there, but you have to be careful. You know, this is good for the for the simple stuff. But once right. you start talking about six figures and over, you really need to have a financial advisor. The stats are that 84% of the people who have 1 million and over have three or four advisors. Wow. Yeah. That's excellent. So uh, you're getting with Achilles, somebody who knows how to advise the millionaires as well as the everyday people. And I think that's the great thing that you're doing, an incredible service. Uh, and please reach out to Achilles. Once again, your website is Lorea Wealth. Is that correct? LoreaWealth.com. Yep. And that is spelled L-A-R-R-E-A, wealth.com. And yeah. they should email you as well. Is that correct? Yeah, they can email me or they can reach out to me via Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay. And don't forget to go to Amazon and pick up his book, Your Money and You, the ultimate wealth guide for Latino entrepreneurs and executives, helping you to create your empanada of success by Achilles Orea. Uh, this is incredible. And there's something else I want to talk about on the show today. You're well-rounded. No, we're not allowed. We're not allowed. We're cutting ourselves off right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best part about you and I. Um, the first time we went out, we were um, we went to a restaurant and a club and a, and a couple of different things, and we were just the conversation was just flowing. Oh and, yeah, um, you became a vegan. Am I correct? That's correct. And uh, now, about seven years, almost seven years ago, this August. Right, and so I'm a meat eater. Um, I will pick a dead carcass, uh, but uh, listening to you, I started to cut back on my meat. Uh, you and another buddy of mine, David Benzikin, who convinced me that maybe more of a plant-based uh, diet was better. So only on like Fridays, Saturdays, uh, I'll have uh, my meat. But usually, unless I have friends in town and we're going out all the time, I have cut back to um, just uh, – more vegetables and vegetarian uh, for like four or five days a week. And, and I want everybody to know there's vegetarianism, which is just eating vegetables, but 
some vegetarians allow themselves to have cheese and even eggs. Um, but being a vegan is a very particular uh, discipline because you do not have milk and dairy products, nothing from an animal, no fish, uh, no shrimp or anything like that. You know, some of those are cheats for uh, vegetarians. So you are just a pure vegetable diet. Yeah, um, I'm actually what's called plant-based, right? right. Um, so there's a movie out there called Forks Over Knives. I watched that on Netflix, and I said to myself, you know what? Why not? Let's give it a shot. It took me a month to get off meat. Uh, right. But, you know, all of a sudden, I started seeing the weight drop. And... You know, over the past seven years, I've lost over 85 pounds. I'm actually back in a weight loss mode again. I've, uh, and the reason being is that I, when I go strict on this diet and don't mess around with it, it really makes you a lot healthier. So a lot of the ailments that I suffer from, you know, doing karate, you know, the arthritis and all that, right. it's minimized. Uh, you know, I, my my wind is better than was when I was in my 30s, you know, uh, and I'm going to be 50 in July. So, um, yeah. you know, there's a lot there's a lot there. Uh, you know, I don't have any social conscience about me. I, I don't do it for those reasons. This was strictly uh, that I wanted to avoid the health problems that occur with Latinos and uh, other, you know, uh, members of my family that, you know, diabetes, pre-diabetes, uh, you know, um, heart failure, uh, you know, lung, kidney problems and the like. And this was the fastest way that I saw to taking that on, becoming healthier. And, you know, even to the day, you know, I'm, uh, it's uh, more a wonderful way for me to maintain my health i've maintained it uh for more than almost seven years i've uh, as i've mentioned to you and uh i'm like i said i'm entering a new phase now where uh i'm going to start working out a lot more i'm getting ready for my fifth degree black belt test wow so i'm probably going to drop more weight uh than normal because i'm working out in karate uh a little bit more well, it's very interesting uh i noticed you know my wife and and um a lot of the people I hang out with are, are Latino and uh, Afro-Caribbean. And what I've noticed is certain diseases run uh, rampant within the culture simply because of a diet of rice and beans uh, or certain uh, meat and things like that. And, uh, and even in my own culture, you know, there's, there's a lot of things like French fries, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, I'm Irish and German and, and Hungarian, so there's some heavy foods with sauces and things. Um, so I, I've just basically learned to watch and cut back, and it's, a, it's that simple. And, and nobody would ever think you would have any sickness or any problems being a martial artist. You work out, you're in good health, but yeah, there are injuries that we get. Um, I broke three ribs in tournament fighting, and um, every once in a while they crackle. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, I broke a toe. I, I feel like a like a uh, like a popcorn bag. Yeah, oh, God. When I when I get up, so uh, yeah. you know, shoulder injuries, fists, uh, you yeah. name it. 
And, and no. I got to tell you, I went to a Chinese herbalist and, and got a lot of uh, tissue and muscle uh, teas that have helped oh. immensely. But I, I broke a toe. And every once in a while, if I bend over and I'm working in the, in the garden or I'm down on my knees and I bend that toe for a long period of time, I can barely walk the next day. Um, I'm in so much pain. Oh, yeah. I, I got you beat by about six. Oh, <laughs> Lord. I, um, I, yeah, we, we all compare. It's okay. Injuries. That's what happens when you kick people in the face. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm the dummy who volunteered for my sensei to knock me out just to show a move on how you knock people out. Oh, and, God. Yeah, I'm that that guy, um, <laughs> but yeah, and I feel it uh, in my bones. But I got to tell you, changing my diet, cutting back on coffee, um, and being more vegetarian, I don't have the back pain or the arthritis or the the soreness in the joints that I used to have. So that this is very powerful if you're listening to take your diet and and see that it's optimum health and i know a lot of you absolutely our our native foods can sometimes be the problem believe it or not i love coffee oh man do i love coffee but it makes me acidic which hurts your joints and you start to feel pain in different parts of your body um i'm a you know my my irish roots uh, we get potatoes all the time and let me tell you potatoes can make me heavy if I'm heavy, especially around the midsection, my lower back starts to hurt. Um, so I, I will disagree with you on the potatoes. Because well, potatoes and rice are a big part of my diet, and uh, I've continually lost. The big part that kills everybody is the meat. How you know, do you the do meat that? and the oil kill you. <laughs> you know? I'm telling you. you rice. How my cholesterol is in the 80s. You know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, and that's because I don't eat meat. Repeat I that eat, again. What's in the 80s? My cholesterol. Wow. Yeah. Well, I recently went to get my cholesterol checked, and both my good and bad cholesterol numbers are in incredible zones. And my doctor actually looked at me, and he goes, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it, man. Uh, he just recommended I get a, a little more omega-3 in my diet. Uh, yeah, and you can do that with food. You don't need supplements yeah. to do it. Yeah, and so I believe it or not, you could probably do that with cereal. <laughs> yeah, and and it, so it's funny, you know, we're talking about health and wealth here uh, with LareaWealth dot com. Go there, Achilles. Um, you're a walking testament to all this. I mean, uh, martial artist, you're in good shape. You've done the the vegan diet, and you you teach people how to invest. It, you're kind of the modern dude, man. I'll keep looking for him, but I'll just have to take your word for it. No, you are the modern <laughs> dude, I'm telling you. Um, now, is your family, uh, your children and, and wife and everything, are they vegan as well? No, no, but my wife is Chinese, so uh -huh. the staples of her diet are, you know, very little meat, a lot more vegetables, rice, uh, brown rice, um, you know, and a lot of uh, foods that we hear, uh, unless you're going to your Chinatowns in the in where you are, you're not going to find that food. You right. Know? I mean, uh, you might see it in like okra or uh, shiitake mushroom, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, my wife still cooks uh, traditional Chinese dishes that she was taught by her mom. Uh, wow. But you know there there is meat, 
in a lot of those issues. She does not cook for me. I cook for myself. I make about a week's worth of food, uh, and I eat it religiously. Wow. Uh, so uh, are you a, a guy who likes a lot of spice? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the question is offensive. <laughs> you know, uh, growing hey, give up, me some, give me some hot sauce, and I'm all in it. <laughs> my, my friends, when I was growing up, they used to love coming over to my house because remember, I grew up in Pennsylvania, and everybody's you know very white American, Germanic uh, backgrounds, Pennsylvania Dutch, and they're eating bland food, and they come over to my house, and my mom learned to cook Hungarian, so she'd be throwing in some pa- paprika. Uh, and some spice and my friends they'd have dinner at their house and then come over and have their fourth meal of the day at our <laughs> and it was the funniest thing is how did oh, you I could do that, that. Yeah, the, yeah all this spice is delicious um, all my so, friends were irish growing up brad so yeah. imagine you know they're on you know they got their corned beef or they have their yeah. uh you know roast beef uh you know big potato cabbage and and all that like and you know they but there, as the years went on, a lot of Indian, a lot of uh, Hindu oh. cooking could see smell, Philippine yeah. cooking, you know, it's a lo- bunch of different aromas emanating in the neighborhood. You're making me hungry, brother. You know, yeah, I'm already hungry, man. I'm ready for my vegan snack. No. There you go. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is what makes America great. This is what I love about living here is um, the mixtures, the 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 diversity, the, and especially the food, <laughs> the food and the music are the right. same. You know, as well right. as I, when it comes to diversity in this country, there is no America without diversity. There's yep. no such thing. You Anybody who feels that this country is better without immigrants is either been ha- putting their head under a rock or they just don't get it. You know, immigrants make this country amazing. We're the most unique country in the world for this because we're the only country that takes in, I think it's like a million people a year from all over the world. No other country does that. Uh, And then we have a path to citizenship here where you can go to college and you can do different things and bring you into the American dream. And um, that's a testament to what we're all about. There is no one. I think we could do it better. Yeah, we can do better. It shouldn't take 14 years for someone to become a citizen. The path no, to citizenship is broken, Brad, in my opinion. But it is. And we can agree to disagree, you know, if you don't agree with it. But I told oh, people before, you know, if you are willing to fight for your country, automatic citizenship. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not going to even debate that. You, you shouldn't be a soldier and then be allowed to be deported unless, you know, yeah. there's some sort of serious thing that you've done. I agree. Know, multiple murder or whatever. And but, I, you know, if, if you're strong enough and brave enough to fight for this country, you should have citizenship. You know, I agree. If you're working your tail off, you know, let's just say you're a farmer, you know, or you're, you work with farmers, you know, that's backbreaking work. Nobody wants to do it, you know. And if you do it for a certain amount of time, why not? If you want, there should be some sort of path to citizenship there. But Brad, this is only an opinion. I do realize that some people are taking advantage of the system, but I could say that the majority are not. No, they're not. And and a lot of people, they kind of, like if I I sit here and I say, we need immigration reform, 
Um, because of what I look like, sometimes they think, oh, you're against immigrants. And hell no, my family's immigrants. <laughs> but our system has gotten uh, people taking advantage of it, people destroying it, and we, we have no rules anymore. Uh, it was actually Ted Kennedy who began this uh, letting go of all the rules. And uh, we have to kind of figure out what that looks like now because we have people coming from the Middle East more in this country. We have people coming from Africa. I mean, I have a lot of friends in Minnesota who are from Nigeria. And I say, how in the hell do you wind up in the, from the hottest country in the world state <laughs> in the United States? And, and they go, and God bless them. They, they, when they first get here, everybody tries to help them buy that winter coat and they never get the right winter coat. It's the word. Somebody has to help them. Well, um, it's like that Ecuadorian uh, entrepreneur that I ran into Omaha, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. I said to him in Spanish, I go, what the hell are you doing here? And yeah. he looks at me and he's like, I've been to New York. It's too expensive. I can't afford it. I come here. I live like a king. He's got yeah. two restaurants. Uh, the food is authentic. He does a great job. And he started out as a busboy in yeah. the restaurants. That's the best. You know, they said if they eliminated uh, all ethnic foods in the United States, we probably wouldn't be able to eat anything uh, because that's what we're we're made of. We're melting pot. Absolutely. And Absolutely. When, my, when my grandfather got here from Hungary, uh, on my on my mom's side of the family, we had been in this country 300 years. Uh, but on my dad's side of the family, they came over in the 1920s uh, to escape communism. And my grandfather... They, they would tell stories of how he would go into a restaurant and he could not speak any English, so he would just point at somebody's dish next to him. You know, oh, they'll take that. And he learned, first thing he learned to say was apple pie. And then the second American uh, phrase he learned to uh, say was a, che a cheeseburger with french fries. So it starts <laughs> with food, baby. <laughs> That's what it yeah. starts so, well, food's always been a great connector for us. It's always oh. helped us, you know, uh, you know, when we sit down and we eat, it's a great tool for us to get to know each other, uh, our neighbors, you know, when you have a block party or whatever, you know, it's just a, a great connector. Absolutely. Now I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that we do in the lightning round here on Awakened Nation, just to find out for our guests. No. <laughs> like, uh, let me ask you, uh, what is the one thing you can't live without? Uh water air and my family your family nice that's a good one what's your perfect day look like well i get up in the morning uh believe it or not i actually look over client accounts i but then after i try to go get a workout in and if i can't get it in the morning i go at night um but you know just i'm now i'm enjoying life a little bit more where i actually get to go outside and uh enjoy Awesome. And uh, one last question. If you could visit any country in the world, uh, where would it be? Wow. Uh, definitely get back to Europe as I did uh, this year. Um, or get down to South America and see other countries that I haven't seen or go see relatives uh, in Excellent. countries that I visited. Excellent. And gain some weight because everybody wants you to come to the house and eat. Am I correct? Yeah, they know I eat this way, though. <laughs> they're gonna try there you go <laughs> so anyway everybody please reach out to achilles go to lareawealth.com that's l-a-r-r-e-a wealth.com and not uh, all at once please 
And uh, <laughs> if they need to get a hold of you, do they call or email you? Where should they go? Uh, start with the email first. If it's during the week, please call. Uh, you you might be surprised that uh you know not that I pick up the phone but that you get through to me uh, rather quickly. Good, and also go to Amazon and pick up his book, Your Money and You, the Ultimate Wealth Guide for Latino Entrepreneurs and Executives, helping you to create your empanada of success. Achilles Larea, thank you for being on Awakened Nation, my friend. Take care, Brad, everybody. Bye bye. Brad, thank you so much. You're welcome, my friend. Take care. Oh, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I want to thank you so much for being a big part of the Awakened Nation movement. This is how you can help me and our extraordinary guests. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let's grow this movement by word of mouth. Our success will be because of you. Thank you, and see you next week.